Hey, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Mission Matters. My name is Adam Torres. You can follow me on Instagram at AskAdamTorres. And to apply to be a guest on the show, just head on over to missionmatters.com and click on Be Our Guest to Apply. All right, so today I have Trey Fairman on the line and he's founder and senior consultant over at Waypoint Retirement Advisors. Trey, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Adam. Glad to be here. All right, Trey. So uh, it's kind of fun for me today. Got two got two suits on the show, right? And uh, and I'm excited to talk about today's topic. So we'll get into the nuances, really, of retirement plans, retirement planning uh, specifically. I know there's a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives out there. They're either in retirement plans and they're thinking, like, you know, am I in the correct retirement plan? Am I offering the right plan for my employees? And then some people are they just haven't done a review in a long, long time and now, things change and they, they maybe are a little bit out of connection there. Or there's other people that are just saying, hey, I'm at that point. I need to set up a retirement plan for my company. So we'll, we're, we'll go into a lot of different scenarios there and we'll talk about some other things. And I, I'm going to have a lot of fun. Um, the people that have been watching the show for a long time know my background as a, as a financial advisor in the past. So I'm excited to go down memory lane with you today. Um, but just to get us kicked off, so I'd like to start with our, our signature question, if you will. So Trey, we at Mission Matters, we amplify stories for entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. So that's our mission here. Trey, what mission matters to you? Well, I would say, um, you know, if I really had to kind of peg it, a, a big concept with us is to you know, be intentional about choices. So I would say that I'm on a mission to help employers and their employees make well-informed, proactive, intentional decisions about their 401k plans. Man, that's awesome. Love bringing these mission-based entrepreneurs and businesses on the line and introducing them to my audience. So uh, let's just dive right in. So so how'd you get started on this path um, into financial services and into what you do? Yeah. So, you know, I, I sort of come at retirement planning from a different angle and you really got to kind of, you know, rewind, I guess. So when I graduated from college, uh, I was a finance major. Uh, I always thought I would end up working at a bank. Um, my best job out of college was a insurance brokerage office. So I was the inside salesperson. If you will. Um, that was back in Philadelphia in 1993. Um, and I was basically in charge of making outbound sales calls. Uh, it was the insurance industry, but we were sort of a niche company. And we would work a lot with accountants, attorneys, uh, tax advisors, and sort of approach insurance planning from more of a tax angle. So um, my boss got promoted from Philadelphia to run the office in San Diego. He offered me a job. So we got to San Diego with my girlfriend at the time, now my wife. So this was January of 95. And... Um, you know, I never thought I'd be in the insurance business. Uh, so started looking around, um, went to law school in the evenings in, in San Diego, um, graduated from law school, passed the bar. And uh, that was in 2000. Uh, went back to law school to get my graduate degree. And I was actually at a firm at that time when we, we partnered with most of the uh, very large Wall Street firms, private banks and trust companies doing more high net worth estate tax planning. Uh, and if you kind of think about the world, especially in San Diego, in the turn of the century, you know, early 2000s, um, a lot of wealth was moving there. Uh, estate taxes were very archaic. So there was a lot of evolution there. So I got lucky, if you will, I guess, um, timed it well. 
and, you know, had a pretty good run with that. So, you know, up until, geez, about 2016, I guess, yeah. you know, that, that was my job. I, again, partnered with um, advisors working with very high net worth clients to help them with sophisticated estate tax planning strategies. And it all really changed for me in the, in the spring of 2016. You know, I had just finished speaking at the um, National Conference for the American Medical Association to a bunch of doctors in Orlando, Florida. Um, you know, I was out in the lobby grabbing some coffee and in rapid fire, about 10 or so doctors came up to me and every single one of them had a, what's called safe Harbor 401k plan. So again, uh, I've, I've always thought of myself as a, as a tax planner. So, you know, I had dabbled and done a little bit of that stuff in the past. Um, you know, and over, as I just said, you know, over that 15, 20 years before, you know, I had sold my business to a, a, uh, publicly traded firms and, you know, worked with a lot of, again, tax attorneys for that, worked with a lot of business owners. And, you know, by partnering with advisors, accountants, you know, I understood that plain vanilla probably doesn't work all the time. So here I had all these doctors, they each owned a dialysis center or surgery center. They were making, you know, $700,000 million a year. And they all had a safe harbor 401k plan, which means in plain English, they could save about $59,000. And, I said to every one of them, I said, hey, you know, if you could save more, would you, right? So the, so the mm-hmm. back of the envelope rule of thumb is you need to save about 10% of your pre-tax income. And they all said, geez, straight, yeah, I, I would love to, but my investment advisor says I can't. My accountant says I'm not able to. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, no, actually you can. And I kind of, you know, I remember vividly their, their faces as I said, look, you know, if we do this properly, you know, you can put away about... $240,000 a year, maybe yeah. double that. And um, so that was kind of a big experience. Like a, I call that a, you know, eye-opening watershed event for me where I, it was very puzzling to me. I said, wow, these are, you know, educated people. They're mm-hmm. paying for financial advice and they're really not getting the complete picture. So yeah. again, this was in the spring of 2016. Um, when I got back from that trip, you know, like I do, um, you know, I, I have a, which we'll touch on later, but I have a side hustle, I call it being a, a expert witness in financial litigation matters, which means I'm really good at reading a bunch of stuff and researching ideas. So anyway, jumped right into that. And basically what I learned is that most advisors and most clients are just offered the same generic cookie cutter plan. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, heck, if it's anything outside of the box, you know, people are like, I don't know what to do. And it was, yeah. it was again, curious because what I was talking about, which is a pretty standard 401k profit sharing cash balance, what we call a combo plan works much yeah. like a cascading waterfall, if you will, right? So you fill one bucket up, you go to the profit sharing bucket, you fill that up, then you go to the cash balance bucket, you fill that up. Those plans had been around for a long time. And I know you and I joked before, you know, the Pension Protection Act of 2006 changed a lot of that. And it was right. And it was, it was not a secret what was going on. But um, so I, again, I jumped into that, did all the research I could talk to as many contacts as I had in the the investment industry. And, you know, basically kind of confirmed what I saw, which is um, there was just a big need in that area. So at the same time, the state tax laws were getting, better, meaning more and more liberal, mm-hmm. right? Um, so less and less people needed state tax planning. 
So, um, and I had found myself doing more and more income tax planning. So as a result, um, you know, I just kind of started focusing more on this, ramped it up and um, had great timing, right? Launched in January, 2020, uh, Waypoint. So full-time 401k advisor um, during the shutdown, but yeah. um, things have been good. So, you know, I would say uh, quickly here, you know, it's, it, I just try to focus on, because this was my experience, mm -hmm. what a good plan looks like, because it was always very interesting to me. And I actually have a, have a book that I'm going to be putting out here uh, next few weeks um, that looks at the six key components of a good 401k plan, because it's again, not rocket science, yeah. but when I was doing the research, I asked you, you know, what does a good plan look like? And you get some fluffy answers, right? But you're like, that's not very actionable. So, you know, again, I kind of came at this from, from a different angle, more of a sort of fiduciary oversight plan governance concept. Yeah. And, um, you know, in mutual funds are the easiest part of this conversation. Mm -hmm. There's, uh, we would say there's actually six key components, but the industry as a whole just had said, yeah, I'm a, I'm an investment advisor. So I know a heck of a lot about 401k plans too, or business owners just assumed that that was the case. Yeah. No, it's a great, it's a great story. And one thing for everybody watching to know. So when it comes to financial services, um, it's complex. Like I, so I was in the business almost 14 years and I had the privilege of working on both sides of the, of the business. So there's the institutional side and then there's the retail side. The retail side is your everyday advisor that's working, you know, face to face with the client. The institutional side is a little bit more complex. It has to do with retirement plans, retirement plan construction. Um, and it's just a little bit more complex. You're dealing with bigger numbers. You're dealing with a different set of clients. So the one of the big challenges in the industry and what Trey is, is explained um, is that he has these group of doctors that, you know, that were working with their advisor. It doesn't mean they had a bad advisor, to be very clear. Their advisor means well. They're doing their best work. But if they're not experienced with, with a little bit more of a complex retirement planning um, philosophy, which for Trey is easy. He says it's easy. Oh, it's just, it's common. It's this type of plan. And this is what you do. And you fill up different buckets. That's great. But if you'd only been on the retail side of the business, working with clients face-to-face, -face, you wouldn't know that because it's very complex. And the, and the paperwork and the documentation and everything, it's not hard when you're working with somebody like Trey or his firm because they're doing it day in and day out, but they are specialists. So that's the point. So there are different options out there. And there's even options above that, which Trey, I'm sure, is aware of in terms of even more complex planning strategies that have to do with other things that are probably a little bit more in-depth then this conversation will go today. But that being said, don't worry at the end, I'll give um, Trey the opportunity to uh, leave the contact information and that stuff if you want to follow up. So don't worry about that. But um, but that's the main thing. It's, it has, it's more systemic. It has more to do with how the industry is set up overall. It doesn't mean that the firm is trying to do a bad job or the advisor is trying to do a bad job or anything like that or vice versa. It's just that there's so many products, so many different routes a person can go that there's not even uh, a clear, concise 
like unified answer on even what a financial advisor is or what their scope of being a financial advisor is. So you have to think about the U.S. and and the financial system as a whole, really as an evolution. What a financial advisor did in the 70s or 60s, guess what? There was no such thing. The term wasn't made up yet. So that that just gives you an idea of the evolution of it and of wealth management and what even wealth management is. So these are just different things that I'm giving you so that as you kind of progress through your financial um, you know, career or your financial you know, situation, um, you, you really consider the different types of people that you're bringing into your life and that you're getting your advice from because there is a difference and these can make substantial differences. So for example, that doctor example that Trey used, um, they were doing what, 56,000 or so in there. So they were saving or deferring depending on how things are set up, you know, 20 some thousand in, in taxes, um, depending again on how they're set up and I'm rounding here. So go, you have to consult your own financial advisor to be clear in your own compliance in this. I'm not putting words into Trey's mouth. I'm just giving you some simple math to consider. Well, if he's got them in a type of plan where they can put away 260,000 or in that area or range, now they're saving or, or deferring um, upwards of 100,000 versus 25,000. Again, I'm, I'm rounding and I'm doing some very simple math. So um, don't anybody watching this start commenting on the videos. Oh, Adam, it's this, it's this. I know. Okay. It's fine. I just want you to start thinking that in general, there's a big difference from deferring 25,000 to a hundred thousand. That's a big difference in a tax bill. Any way you split it. So just throwing that out there. Yeah. Um, if I can jump in a quick second. So then the other thing I get sort of the pushback, right. Is, well, I have to put money aside for my employees. And the answer is yes, you do. Mm-hmm. But again, with the rule of thumb, so I'm a big believer in what I call the back of the envelope, right? So the rule of thumb is six to 8% of your employees annual income, right? So to get to, to go to from 59,000 to 260 or 300, it's going to cost you depending on your, on your employees, you know, an extra 40,000 a year. Maybe. That may make tons of sense. Yeah. It may make no sense, right? So back to kind of what we said in the beginning, you know, let's try to focus on making well-informed, intentional decisions. And it is definitely not right for everybody, yeah. um, but it fits. And again, it's, it's a, I mean, really the other kind of tagline, if you will, that I use all the time is look, um, the retirement plan industry has evolved from a casual investment conversation to a much more regulated fiduciary oversight process. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean you need to be scared of anything, but it's just changing. So just like you said, Adam, I think that's a that's a great point that, hey, just like we do a lot of things in life, let's just check on it, make sure things are going well. And maybe you're all set up. Um, it can be better sometimes. Too. So let's go further into Waypoint Retirement Advisors. So have to ask you the question, why start another retirement um, planning firm for, for employers for complex or even uh, retirement plans? So what's your vision? Yeah, well, again, I would say that so kind of two things, right? So again, I was working with Wall Street firms in mm-hmm. the investment advisors for these 20 some odd years. So I was very familiar with, with how those conversations went. I then had that that personal experience, right? And then on top of that, um, and this will probably hit home with you also, you know, what I, all I kind of heard was um, 401k plans are all about what are called funds and fees, right? These, mm-hmm. these two things. And Again, as I just alluded to, the reality is the world's changing and, and that's good. So really here, 
you know, what's next for us, as I, as I mentioned, is I'm just kind of putting the final touches on a book here. Um, you know, we would say that a good plan has six key components. So again, we've, so we've talked about funds and fees. We would call that the investment options and then the plan costs. But then there are kind of four other areas too, which would be fiduciary oversight, uh, plan design and tax strategy, which mm-hmm. we just chatted about, you know, plan operations, and then educational programs. So I, I think kind of what's next, we call that our, our R6 or retirement six process, just to name I made up, it's not again rocket science or anything genius, but just helping people understand what a good plan looks like and then helping them kind of start on the path. Because I think long, long gone are the call me when you need me retirement plan advisors. Well, again, that is not their focus. They are mm-hmm. well-meaning and they you know, step in to help when they're asked. But again, because of a lot of different factors, um, you know, structuring these, these ERISA plans, 401k, clearly, and we see that bleeding over to other areas in the yeah. what's called the 403b space, you know, just again, making well-informed, intentional decisions or choices about what you have. And sometimes not changing at all is the best decision to make. So um, let's talk a little bit more about your, uh, your user experience, if you will, and, and what it's like to work with you and your firm, like what it looks like. Because a lot of times people, they accept the status quo of either what they're already doing just because they're used to it. It's comfortable. And they're like, do I really? It was hard enough setting this thing up in the first place. I had to deal with this many meetings and this and this. I'll think about it later. I'll get to it later. Like that, that's, in my opinion, what keeps most employers, myself included, <laughs> even though now I'm on the other side of the coin. Like I should be reviewing things um, from from doing it. You're just busy and you're thinking about like, do I have time to do this, this, and this? Um, I mean, what does that look like to you? Yeah. So again, that was another kind of interesting thing, right? So um, when I got started, right, talking to employers, you know, um, becoming part of the RFP process, you know, they're going out to bid, which a, a plan should be doing every two to three years. So uh, again, story. This was a. This was actually my uh, first uh, 403b plan. So again, a uh, uh, 403b is just like a 401k, but for nonprofit organizations. So I was I was kind of late into this conversation. I in fact was the was the fourth advisor. I had been referred to the business manager at this at this private school. We were just talking like we were. You know, this is this again is, is really all about goals and kind of what's broken or where do yeah. you want to get to. And um, she said to me, Well, look, Trey, um, we don't want to move platforms, okay, which would be called the record keeper. So when it comes to yeah. a 401k plan, the easiest, most visible party is the company that has the website, right? Sends out the statements. That's called the record keeper. Mm-hmm. And I and I said to her, and I chuckled and I said, um, what are you talking about? No one's saying you need to leave the record keeper. I can help you. I can get in, you know, if, if you, you know, sign a form or two, I can become the advisor on the plan and then mm-hmm. do what I call fix the plan from the inside out. Because yeah. most plans have access to good investment, mm-hmm. have access to low fees, have access to what they need, maybe not to become a really good plan, but to mm-hmm. dramatically improve. So, what I kind of ran across was, you know, don't, and which is what I used to say to my boys when they were, you know, don't create chaos. Yeah. If we're going to try to help you and fix this, 
I have no idea why I would come in and the first thing that I'm trying to get you to do is massively disruptive and chaotic. It's let's not do that. Let's, you know, let me get in under the hood. Let me get out in front of your employees, make sure they understand what a great thing you, the employer are doing. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, kind of put the employer in the best light. It'll take me 30, 45 days to kind of get under the hood and figure out what's going on. Then come back to the employer and say, Hey, if, you know, if I was you, I would do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's usually not complicated. It's not difficult. And you can do it at the record. Keeper. So we've strongly discouraged again, creating the chaos. Now, interestingly, and I've got two of them now, they'll push back really hard. I want to get out of here. Uh, and one of them we were just chatting with last week um, was at a record keeper that was a very large insurance company, right? Which is a lot of those insurance companies are kind of old school mm-hmm. technology. And that insurance company had just sold their whole retirement, their whole retirement plan business to a new cloud-based mm. record keeper. Wow. So their problem actually already got fixed. And uh, they were trying to convince me they wanted to change as of January 1st, coming up, 2022. And, and I said, you know, um, I'm a little bit at a disadvantage because I don't know your company and I don't understand what your goals are. This is only the second conversation. Yeah. I said, but I got to tell you, I think most of your problems already got fixed. And then contrast that to their current advisor and the other advisor they had talked to were like, you got to switch. And I said, look, I'm not going to tell you that switching won't help you. Mm-hmm. But if I met you on the sidewalk and you said, what's the best record keeper for a 401k plan? The answer I would have given you is where you are now. Mm. So again, just um, kind of thinking about, again, the other phrase that we use a lot is um, pause and hit rewind where you Mm -hmm. see a lot of people, and this is true in many areas in the world, right? Um, People jumping in, they want to talk about themselves, their accolades and whatever product they're selling. We would say, and I firmly believe that it's not about me and I'm happy to tell you all about my background, but that's not important. What's important is to listen. And we actually use cards. So we actually, so that, that six key component list that I read to you, we actually have six cards that we, if we're doing a Zoom call or we're sitting in front of a CFO, for instance, we actually put those on the desk mm. and we have them kind of order them where we talk about each one. And it kind of helps walk through the process of what mm. their good plan looks like. Because for me to show up and jump right in and say, oh, this is what I think you should do, or just because you're unhappy, you need to create chaos, mm-hmm. um, I don't think serves anyone well and definitely doesn't serve the employees well. So again, trying to create the win-win, it's pause, hit rewind, and let's, let me just listen because I'm not the oldest guy in the world, but my crystal ball broke a long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I am, uh, I'm not going to assume that what I think makes, even if I, maybe like you too, Adam, I mean, when you do this long enough, you kind of know what the best solution is. But more times than not, when I keep my mouth shut, I'm wrong. And that's yeah. okay. So, I mean, that's really, I think, the other eye-opener, if you will, is, um, you know, just kind of, let's just pause here and just talk about it mm-hmm. and then figure out now COVID and the pandemic and a lot of other things in the world. Sometimes that's hard to do, mm-hmm. that's easy. but 
But uh, that really goes a very long way um, when you're thinking about, again, what a good, what a good plant looks like. That's great. And a great point you bring up about the record keeper and not having to change it. So that means, and that'd be a big thing. Like some people are like, oh, but I love my Vanguard. I love my Charles Schwab. I love my Fidelity. What it means is that you can keep your company and and Trey can and his team can can um, many times be a record keeper or be a um, work an advisor on the plan. So you don't have to necessarily move it. I mean, that's a great, great point that you make because I think that's another big, big um, deal for many employers when they're thinking about like whether they're going to work what different companies are, if they're going to get their plan reevaluated. Um, tell me, tell me a little bit more about like the employee education side, because that's another part that I just feel yeah. is so crucial to that, just that overall relationship. And by the way, I don't mean just the relationship between um, the plan and the advisor. I mean, between kind of taking off some of the weight off the shoulders of the employer and the employee, because that can be a lot like you don't want your employee going to you for every question. I mean, that's more time and more things that you have to know, or even to your HR department, if, if need be, um, like you want to have that correct um, relationship to where, you know, their needs are getting met and it's taking the weight off of your shoulders. Right. So that, um, so we're going to talk about education programs before I jump into that. I'll say that almost gets, there's a, there's a lot of overlap here, right? That mm-hmm. gets to plan design too, because oh, yeah. really the goal becomes matching the demographics of the company mm-hmm. with the plan design and the record keeper, right? So if you have a bunch of 25-year-old young employees, we're going where you should ultimately be at a record keeper that has a great mobile platform. Yep. Um, again, sort of like what I was talking about earlier, that's typically not an insurance company. Yeah. So, you know, that's one. But but when it comes to actual education, um, we actually have two, two tracks. So we mm. do employee education, which pretty much, you know, Record keepers do that as a generic offering, which has some technical mm-hmm. reasons why. We don't manage individual money. So it's not like I'm yeah. trying to solicit them for their outside money. But that goal becomes, you know, understanding basic um, investment concepts, investment education, mm-hmm. how the plan works. As you mentioned, what mutual funds are good, how to analyze the funds, you know, what a target date fund is, yeah. which is a newer thing in the world. So that's that. And then we go above and beyond for the employees in what's called a financial wellness offering, if that employer would like. Um, we have solutions that aren't tied to any record keeping platform. So again, typically employee education is provided by the record keeping platform. Mm-hmm. Advisors sometimes do it. Um, but it's often the record keeper. So if the record keeper has a generic program, which many of them do, just because it's not, they're not in that education yeah. business, um, there are third parties out there mm-hmm. that we can plug and play into that. And what's great about that is, as we all know, right, when you're in a group of your peers and you have mm-hmm. a question, maybe concerned about asking a stupid question, so you don't really ask. Um, even one-on-one with employees, you're, you're you can't, like I said, I can't always pause and listen and really get to the meat of the matter. So what's good about these financial wellness programs are a lot of them have, geez, tens mm-hmm. and tens of hours of online videos. They've got self-paced education programs. They have a toll-free number that you can call. And they really, I mean, the better ones, yeah. actually integrate with the company's employee benefits package. So when enrollment comes up, just like you were saying, 
Mm -hmm. As opposed to those employees having to call the HR director or in his or her office, which, of course, they're very happy to help their employees. Of course. This is another way that on Saturday, we've all been there, or Friday night in your PJs on the couch, you're like, oh, this Mm -hmm. question just popped into my head. How do I find this out? So that would be employee track. And then we do a employer track, Mm. which you know, kind of helps them, again, also understand what a good plan looks like. Um, they're participating in the plan, so they're going to get all that same employee education too, but really understanding, um, again, and this sounds basic sometimes, but I still see it, what the difference is between the record keeper yeah. and the administrator. Sometimes the record-keeping company, Vanguard, Fidelity, um, yeah. Weber, they may also be acting as the administrator. So we sort of talk about that. There are advantages to do that. Sometimes we unbundle it, it's called, and we put that with a third Mm -hmm. party to do that. And then we just talk about, hey, you know, know, most, and and this, I guess, is one of the pet peeves of mine. You have a lot of um, advisors that start out that, you know, play the fear card, I call it. And I got a quick story on that in just a second. But they're calling employers saying, you don't have a, a ERISA bond. Mm-hmm. Well, the reality of that is, is it's a it's a $50 fix. It's not a problem. Let's fix it. But of course, they're not there to help them fix the problem. They're there to scare them to get in, to create yeah. the chaos, right? To move the, move the plan to a different record keeper. So um, we help employers understand what a good plan looks like. Mm-hmm. The fact that at least one of them is a fiduciary. Yeah. Meaning they've got some specific, not burdensome, but specific tasks. And um, again, as I said in the beginning, don't be scared of your own shadow. There are ways that we can do that. And then, you know, we we would say, so whenever we're working with a plan, we're engaging as what's called a 321 fiduciary, which is the mm-hmm. ERISA code section. But we, I would say the way I explain it is I sit next to that employer on the same side of the table as them, helping them understand what a good plan looks like. And making sure everything is on track. And um, again, that that conversation is a newer type of conversation because, again, yeah. as I mentioned, old school, casual investment conversation, call me when you need me, to a much more, um, you know, regulated fiduciary oversight process. And employers, you know, like that. And frankly, successful ones are going to find out sooner or later because when they get 100 employees in their plan, it's going to get mm-hmm. audited. And all the things, and I just had that experience too, where an employer um, was trying to stay under that. So the old CFO had, I think it was three plans to keep the count under 100 at each plan. And then new CFO comes in and of course says, well, this isn't going to work. They aggregate it. <laughs> and lo and behold, you know, they had not done just a lot of the basic fiduciary mm-hmm. oversight tasks that they needed to be doing, not just from yesterday. Mm-hmm. from years and years ago now was it a was it a huge problem no not not at all so again that's where that where that whole fear card um gets played a lot and just a quick example on that um one of our clients that um most plans have what are called target date funds which are yeah. a, you know, do it for me type of fund we don't need to go into the details but they're very common they're not perfect by any stretch sure most plans aren't either, but that's okay, right? So um, it's not okay, but that's okay. So we're watching it. We're going to help them. And um, just happened to be on the phone with uh, this employer who uh, 
was pretty upset because they just got a cold call basically from an advisor that said your target date fund family is being is part of this lawsuit. Mm. That's obviously bad news. Um, yeah. It had just been filed like the day before. So of course they were on our list to call too. But the reality of that situation is that lawsuit, like many ERISA lawsuits over the past 15 years, every single target date fund family was named in the lawsuit. Yeah. So it's not just the bad apple. It was, again, somebody calling, playing the fear card, right. rattling cages, creating chaos and saying, oh, hold on a second. You know, we don't, nobody likes that news. I get it. Yeah. But, um, here's, here's how we already monitor that, right? I mean, so benchmarking and probably going to chat on that a little bit, but, you know, we're constantly watching these things and that's what a advisor helps with these days, you know, mm. understanding what a good plan looks like. And if that fun family doesn't work because it's named in the lawsuit and we got to switch, great. Yeah. but the top 10 fun families, they were all named. So I explained- That's a lot of money, that trillions of dollars. Right. Yeah, and it's not going away. No. Is it perfect? No, absolutely not. It's not perfect. But it's like, I don't know where you'd like to go. We can not have a target fun family <laughs> offering, but again, all the big plans have them and I think it's a good idea. Yeah. So again, that's the well-informed, um, intentional choices that we help employers with. Mm-hmm. So tell me um, what it looks like, because I know there's some people watching this right now that they're like, maybe they haven't been you know, doing exactly what they need to be doing in terms of the compliance end of reviewing their plan. Maybe they haven't, they're not even familiar with things like benchmarking um, per se, or they're like getting bigger and a bigger plan. And they're kind of like, okay, they need to start paying more attention to this, so to speak. Like, do you offer, like, what, what do you offer? What does it look like to start the process of seeing if it makes sense to work with you? Do you offer like an audit? Do you offer like a review? Like what's your terminology for how you help a plan evaluate what they're doing in order to maybe see if it makes sense to work with you and your team? Yeah. So I would say, again, we're a little bit unique in this, right? So we come at this from, from the different angle. Um, Mm -hmm. The first conversation is very much um, usually a 20 or 30 minute chat, which is Mm -hmm. kind of what's going on in the industry our uh, beliefs, right, which is what we talked about, there are really six key key components of yeah. what a good plan looks like. Um, and then, you know, we would then sort of go to the next part of that conversation, which is what's important to you. That's the pause, rewind. Yeah. Um, and some people are like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I just need someone to check my plan, right? And I would say, yeah. okay, you know, we, we do have that. And I would call that benchmarking light. Mm-hmm. which is a, again, just looking at the funds and fees. So I mean, we, sure. we actually, we are constantly benchmarking our plans and we actually have four different levels of benchmarking. So mm-hmm. the initial one is the benchmarking light, kind of the quick look. Yeah. Show me what your funds are doing performance-wise relative to their peers, because that's important. And what are the costs relative to mm-hmm. the peers, right? So it's not just, is it, expensive or not expensive. Yeah. You have to always consider costs. Are they reasonable, which is what's the benefit to that? Mm-hmm. So, so that would be one option that kind of quick benchmarking light. And then again, uh, employers should put that in their file because they really mm-hmm. should be benchmarking every, we would say every two or three years. But our, our model then for onboarding is we do quarterly video statements, mm-hmm. which is a benchmarking of the funds as a performance for the whole plan. Yeah. 
And then we have what's called a plan analysis and review, or what we call PAR report, every 12 months, which is a more detailed benchmarking, looking at participation rates, yeah. uh, you know, bells and whistles, if you were, or will, you know, plug-ins to what the modern trends are, what you should be thinking about. Like target date funds was an example. When those came out, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a really good thing to have. And then every two years, right? So, so, so we've got the quick hit, we've got the quarterly, we've got the par every year. Yeah. And then every two to three years, so 24 to 36 months, we're doing what's called a live bid um, mm. benchmarking, which is we're actually taking that specific plan, their specific data, and we're going out into the market. And um, we're not only rebidding it at their current record keeper, which right. again, they'll have this earth shattering, right? Why would people really do it? Like, well, of course I'm going back to them because they need to know of I'm course. talking to, you know, five or six other ones. So yeah. then we're doing that too. So I, I would say that, you know, as a general rule of thumb, the person in charge of a plan mm-hmm. needs, to be needs to be following what's called a prudent process. Yeah. What does that mean? And I walk through that in my book. But what that means is you just need to be acting reasonably. So the answer to that, to that question is every two to three years, you need to take a look under the hood and see what's going on. Yeah. Is a good plan checking a lot more than that? Absolutely. Like I said, mm-hmm. we're doing it quarterly, we do it annually, and then uh, then we're doing the live bid, you know, real deal every 24 to 36 months. Man, this is awesome, Trey. Well, I have to tell you, um, I can talk retirement planning all day long. It's one of my favorite things. Um, I'm just I'm just a retirement plan nerd. It's fun to me. Uh, everybody watching this already knows I get a retirement planner on here. It's going to be game time. Uh, so, Trey, that being said, though, um, if somebody's watching this right now, they're an employer, they want to review, they want to think about like if some of those benchmarking concepts you mentioned, if they're not doing those, if a lot of the things that we talked about just kind of have, um, you know, sparked their interest. What's the best way for people to follow up and to connect with you and your team? Yeah, so I would say um, two, two ways. And the second one's probably more helpful. So first is um, LinkedIn. So I'm on LinkedIn, um, you know, try to be as active as I can be there. So uh, articles, postings there. Uh, you can read more about, you know, my background, sort of who I am, what I'm, what I'm trying to do there. And then the other one would be, um, Go to the website goodplan.info. So G-O-O-D plan, P-L-A-N, all one word, mm-hmm. dot info, which is a site that I have where I share monthly best practices mm-hmm. about again what a good plan looks like. So that's a place you can sign up mm-hmm. um, you know, two, maybe three times a month, sometimes one time a month. Yeah. There'll be a um, article that uh, I think is interesting. I typically write all of the content. So awesome. if everything I've said today sounds like I'm a total knucklehead, then you probably don't want to sign up for that. <laughs> um, if it's interesting, then yeah, you can do that for sure. Um, so that would be probably the other site. And mm-hmm. candidly, that's what we would do with, you know, most people that we run into. Mm-hmm. So look, you know, sign up for that. Hopefully that helps. Um, I mean, look, plans really change statistically. Only about 8% of plans change every year. So it's uh, not a lot of them, frankly. There's good reasons for that and bad reasons for that. So really my my concept and my thought at this is I've got, as we've sort of talked about, a lot of diversified, broad experiences over the years working mm-hmm. with banks, trust companies, investment advisors. 
Um, so that kind of puts me, I think, in a somewhat unique spot to kind of share uh, themes and trends that I've seen along the way. And I've, um, again, because I like to write and I kind of research because I'm a geek that way too, um, I've sort of collected all those. So that that website, yeah. plan.info, is where you can see all that stuff. Fantastic. Well, Trey, uh, I have to say it's definitely been a pleasure having you on the show today and really enjoyed our conversation and your and you bringing your expertise to my audience and really giving us an overview of the entire entire uh, retirement plan landscape and what employers should be thinking about as they watch this. And uh, to the audience, as always, thank you for tuning in. Hope you got a lot of value out of this. Hope you learned a lot. If you did, don't forget, especially if you're a first time listener or viewer, um, hit that subscribe button. We definitely want you to be a return visitor and a return guest. And uh, Trey, thanks again. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you. I've had a ton of fun. It's been, it's been great.